All right, well, I don't know if you see that as a downer. Be encouraged. She's going to be back from time to time, so she's obviously a part of our lives, our life, and, and will uh, continue to come back. So we are in a series called Taking Ground, and this is week three, part two of what I talked about last week, and that was to fight the good fight. All right. So taking ground, we've been talking about it. So I'm going to do this real quickly. What are we talking about in taking ground? We're talking about souls. We're talking about advancing the kingdom of God through the local church. We've learned that, that Jesus basically told us, look, I'm giving you the ball. All right. I was advancing the kingdom. Everything he did in that three-year period of time was to prepare us to advance his kingdom, to bring forth and continue to speak the gospel, to be salt and light. But we also know that it was going to be a fight, that, that taking ground was not going to be an easy thing. In fact, we use that terminology in somewhat of a militaristic sense, and, and, and again, only as, as a way, as, as an object lesson to help us understand. It's Paul and, and that has shown us that we're called to be soldiers and to be good soldiers, to be prepared for the battle, that we have spiritual armor. And so there is nomenclature that helps us to understand that, folks, that, and when, so when you think of, of, of warfare and you think of being a, a soldier, well, what comes with that is, is battle, and it's a spiritual battle. So last week I started in talking to you about postures, how we can prepare for the battle, how we can fight the good fight, as Paul said. And so tonight we're going to talk a little bit more about that. I'm going to give you three more uh, postures, if you will, in how we can fight this good fight. Let me begin tonight in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 16. It says this, for you were once darkness. He didn't say you were once in darkness. He says you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness in all righteousness and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do, nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And this is why it says, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Now, if the days were evil then, how much more so now? And when we think of what Paul is saying here, he's speaking to the church, he's speaking to the Christians there in Ephesus, and he's basically saying, and he knows them, because he planted those churches there. He understands who they are and where they came from. And he talks a lot about the church in the book of Ephesians. But here he's talking to these people and he's saying, look, I know where you came from. You were darkness. You were involved. What the things you were involved in. Matter of fact, he makes kind of reference to that, that what was done, the disobedient did in the darkness. It's not even appropriate to even talk about it was so bad. Which is why we don't talk about such things here in church. We make allusions to them. We point out in the direction where you can find the listing of what we know as sin. But these things are, are hard to talk about. They're, and so he's saying, you used to do those things. He says, but now you're light. And he's saying, look, shine that light. And he's saying here that 
We're called to expose them. We're called, and, and, and that's part of the battle. That's part of, of, of us preparing to be this army of light. And, of course, he alludes to the fact that it's, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge, and that we need to be awakened. And it's so easy for us as, as soldiers to sometimes forget that we're in a battle. Sometimes we put our weapons down and we lay against the tree and we fall asleep, maybe because we're exhausted because of the fight, or maybe because we haven't been in a fight in a, in a bit. And so it's easy for us to forget who we are and what we're called to do. And he says, wake up, stay alert, be alert. And I like him saying that. And then he goes on, he says, be very careful because of the times we live in. Because as any battle and any war, folks, there are casualties. And we shouldn't shoot our wounded, should we? We shouldn't ignore our wounded. We should understand that it is a battle and that we should be together as, as an army, as, as a church that understands what it is that we're called to do. And that is to shine our light brightly here in our community. And so we're doing that. We're called to do that here at Valley. And, and we're advancing. We're, we're going to continue to advance. And God has been doing some wonderful things, as maybe you saw a little bit, and, and how we're doing that. You know, we're not condemning our community. We're loving our city. We're loving our community in very practical ways. We don't just do it with, our, with word of mouth, do we? We go out there and we serve them and many different things that we're called to do. So God is equipping us, being wise, it says here, and making the most of every opportunity. And folks, that's what I want to help you do. I want you to be equipped for every opportunity. You know, the one thing that I've learned, the moment you begin praying and asking God for opportunities, oh boy, they start showing up. But when you're asleep, you miss them, right? You fall asleep, you forget things, you don't see things, you, they, they fly past you in life. Like sometimes you go into that just that hypnotic state and we don't see or hear. And very much the, so, the same way in our spirit, we can easily do that if we're not careful. It says, make the most of every opportunity. So we're asking God to keep us alert. And I'm helping you by giving you some tools, again, that I call postures, to help you fight the good fight, to stay alert and to win, to advance the kingdom of God, not only in your own personal life, but in our local church and wherever God, wherever the boots, are, wherever the boot, boots hit the ground, we're called to change it, transform it, right? Salt. Every time it's sprinkled, every time it affects something, the chemical and, and reactive ability of the church is amazing, just by our very presence, if we understand who it is that we're called to be. So tonight, three more postures, three more encouragements, three more weapons in your arsenal. Let's look at them. Number one, folks, we need to learn how to keep our cool in the battle. We've got to learn to keep our cool because things do get rough. One of the things that we talked about last week was the fog of war. And when a spiritual situation, a battle, a struggle, chaos, whatever it might be, when it comes upon us, we've got to keep our wits about us. Now I want to illustrate that tonight in Matthew chapter 8. And we'll take three stories in a row, beginning in Matthew 8 and going into Matthew 9. And I find them very interesting that they're all stacked together, and so we're going to do that. So first of all, we're going to look at Matthew 8, starting in verse 23, and I'll just paraphrase, paraphrase the story for us. But you'll remember Jesus has been ministering all day, and he says, okay, look, we've got to get out of here. We're going we're to jump on a boat, and we're going to cross the lake. 
And so they all go. He's, he's exhausted from ministry all day. So the moment he gets in there, the, the, the wind and the waves and, and, of course, just the being in a boat rocking back and forth and the guys, just the, the cadence of the, you know, the oars, you know, pulling across, Jesus falls into a deep sleep. But during that time, we know a storm comes up, a tempest, and the wind is blowing very hard. So they probably have to take the, the sails down, and they're just being blown and tossed. And, and the Scripture tells us in this particular account, Matthew 8, that their lives were in danger. And they knew they were in danger because they're fishermen and they know this lake and they know what it can do. I know that in, in, in growing up on a lake up in northern Michigan, you know, people come in and you can see they bring their flat bottom boats in there and they go out there with their little canoes and I'm just going, whoa, you better know that this lake can come up right now in a storm. And boy, I know that in some of those northern Michigan lakes, they can become just terrifying things. People die because they don't think about that. And so these disciples are out there in their boat and they realize they're in danger and they know it. And it begins to, water begins to come into the boat and if that boat sinks, they gotta swim. I'm, I'm pretty sure, as I, as I recall, the lake is about 15 miles wide and they're probably somewhere out in the middle. And if that's the case, then man, who can swim seven miles in a storm? Not many. So what do they do? They panic. They do what, any, what anybody would do. And these, again, these are men that live on the water. And if you read it, they begin to panic because they know that death is quite possible. And so what do they do? They turn to Jesus and they wake him up. Jesus, don't you care that we're, we're going to die? And Jesus, of course, you know, you, you know he, he doesn't stand up and go, you're kidding. You know, he doesn't do that. He gets up and he kind of, he wipes the sleep from his eyes. He, he, you could tell he's a little bit, if you read it, you kind of get the impression he's a little irritated. What are you guys waking me up for? And he looks at him and he says, you of little faith, there in verse 26, why are you so afraid? Interesting question. Why are you so afraid? I mean, well, I mean, storm, tempest, water coming in the boat, drowning, I don't know, maybe some of these things, Jesus. But Jesus is, is, is showing them something. Matthew records this for a reason. It's almost a shameful event for the disciples. But Matthew puts it in there because there is a point. We'll get to that in a second. But they're, they're, they're found, foundering in the boat. It's, it's going down. And Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, and what did he do? He rebuked the wind and the sea, and it was perfectly calm. So this is early on in the ministry of Jesus, okay? Chapter 8, right? And so what is taking place here is something that, again, is just blowing their minds. And what is being revealed to us is that Jesus is God. He is Lord. And what is he Lord over? Well, he's Lord over the elements. And, and, and matter of fact, if you keep reading, it says they were shocked. They were overwhelmed. They were like, wait a minute, who is this guy that he can do that? We only thought that he was gonna, we're going to march on Rome. We only thought that he, that he could rebuke and, and, and win intellectual apologetic battles with, with, with the rabbis and the teachers of the law. No, this guy can literally stop the wind and the waves. And so, what is the point of this story? Well, Jesus is Lord over everything. Yes, but no, it goes a little deeper than that, folks. And it's this. Why it was recorded was because how they responded. And what Jesus wanted to point out to them is, did you guys forget who was in the boat? Did you forget what you have been seeing for the last several days? instant miraculous things taking place. Did you forget who I am? 
And yet the panic was there. And folks, we can identify with that, can't we? Certainly we can. We just went through really a year and a half of it. It ain't done yet. To where we are challenged with environmental factors. We're challenged with things that are chaotic. We're challenged with things that are so far beyond our ability to comprehend and to feel like that we can control in any way, shape, or form. Think of it. Completely. I mean, they're in full panic mode. And Jesus just wakes up and just says, guys... What does he point out? What is the first thing he said? He didn't walk over and give, give Matthew a big hug, nuzzle him a little, and say, it's going to be all right. Rebuke the wind and the waves. No, he goes, what's wrong with you guys? What is inferred here is if you guys had faith, you could do this too. If you would, under, if you would not let fear get a hold of you, if you'd keep your cool, and you would track back into remembering who I am and the fact that, that I am in the boat and remembering what you have seen and remembering what you have done in my name, you wouldn't be in this place. Now, again, we look at this, and it, it's a lesson. It's not, it's not a rebuke. It's just a challenge. Because here's the deal. Folks, we're all in a growing period of time when it comes to our faith. But, folks, if we're going to win this battle and we're going to fight the good fight, then the first thing we got to do, well, in addition to what we talked about last week, is keep your cool. Keep it together, man. Don't panic. Don't lose it. Don't go into full, you know, Jesus, don't you care? You know, and we can do that, can't we? We sure can. And we all have our little buttons. We all have their little places. We've already talked about the three places that where, where the enemy tends to try to go after us. And, and there in the, we see it. They're in the, in the temptation in the desert. Security, significance, right? And sustenance. Push any one of those three buttons and often, we lose it. And God says, come on, let's dig deeper. If you're going to fight this fight, then all of us as spiritual soldiers, we've got to learn to keep our cool. Let's talk about soldiers. That's one of the things they're trained to do is what? These guys can tell us, trust your training, right? Trust, what, trust your weapon. Trust your brother. Trust what it is that's going on around you. Trust what it is that the plan. And it's kind of what Jesus is pointing out. He says, guys, have you forgotten who I am and what I can do and what you have seen? Again, just a challenge. Truth is, faith is perfected in the storm. So we don't, we're going to have storms. We're going to have chaos. We're going to have some tragedy. We're going to have some spiritual battles. We just are. And it's at that place that, yeah, you might lose your cool a little bit, but then let's remember what Jesus said. He said, he said look, you need to dig deeper in your faith. You panicked because you lost sight of me. You panicked because you forgot who I am and what I can do. Very, very important. When it comes to spiritual warfare, folks, I tell you what, it can come at us and it can shake us to our bones. Well, it gets a little tougher. Let's look at the second point. The second thing we need to do in learning how to fight the good fight, adding to our arsenal here, is we need to exercise our exosia. Now, what is exosia? It's a Greek word for authority. And what it means is that as Christians, we've been given power, but we've also been given exosia. And that is the right to use his power. 
the right, the jurisdictional freedom to speak in Jesus' name. He says, look, I'm giving you the right to use my name. Now go use it. Because I, everything has been placed under me. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now go. You speak. You go to the Father. In my name. And whatever you ask for in prayer, I'll do it. Now, the, now I understand. It, this, is, this is a challenge. The, the bar is set high. But it, doesn't, it should not discourage us from ever praying in his name. No, we need to test it. We need to press it. We need to continue to push. Pray until something happens, right? Exousia, authority, and power. The right to use his name. Now let's look at the next story because it gets a little scarier. We thought the, we thought the storm was tough. They get on the other side and, and guess what they find? They find a Gadarene demoniac. All right, now this guy's legendary. And I'll tell you why he's legendary. They walk up to him. He's, he's probably all scarred up because he's been cutting himself. He's been driven from his city because he is demonized. Now Jesus walks right up to him. And what's amazing about this story, and, and I'll tell you what, what a study of, of, of spiritual things is if you dig into it. Now hang in there. I know it's a little scary stuff, but I think you can handle it, all right? I think you can handle it. You know, so Jesus walks right up to him, and, and you can, I can just see, in my imagination, I see all the disciples all getting behind Jesus, you know, just saying, ooh, and Jesus just walks right up to him, and he comes up to him and falls on his knees, and he begins to speak as another personality. He says, we know who you are. Have you come to torment us before our time? Well, that's a little freaky right there. Who's talking? Well, we find out later it's demons that are talking. So the gathering, he says, have you come to torment us behind? Well, we'll come back to that, why that is an incredibly interesting statement for a demon to say. But Jesus, unfazed, and doesn't even respond to that because it's like, no, I'm not going to answer that. That's, that's kind of privileged information. None of that's really going to come out to the fore until a little bit later. But he asks him, and so he says, look, I, you know, come out of him. And it doesn't work the first time through. And there's a reason why. And so Jesus is going, what's your name? And he goes, our name is Legion. Because there's a lot of us. Now, if you study in, in you know, the Latin and in the Roman legions and, and how many men that included, it's really interesting. It's about 3,000 to 6,000 men in one unit. That's a lot of stinking demons. This gathering has thousands of demons inside him. Thousands. Now that is unprecedented. Matter of fact, it's so unprecedented that I, I, I don't even really want to comment on it because of, of just for fear of saying something that, you know, would be over, over the top. But we're just looking at what is plain here. This Gadarene demoniac is, is been driven from his people. He's violent, and yet he has come into he, the, the authority and the presence of Christ has caused him to follow his knees. He has communicated who he is, and he knows, they know that their times is numbered. And so he's going to tell them to leave the, this, this man. And so the demons beg him, don't don't send us out into the arid. Don't just send us out into the world. Those pigs, 2,000 pigs on a hill. And he says, let us go in there. This is weird stuff, isn't it? 
You didn't even know this was in the Bible. Demons, pigs, pigs going into demons. Jesus telling them to go there. So Jesus said, yeah, go ahead, go. Come out, go. And instantly the man falls to the ground in a crumbled heap, and the pigs go absolutely nuts. 2,000 pigs all squealing. And what do they do? They run down the hill, and they run into the, into the lake. Because, right, you know, he just came over from the lake. They run into the lake and all drown. And so what the demons were afraid were going to happen, happened anyway. And whether Jesus knew that or not, I don't know. But to go into the pigs is exactly where they belonged. And so, so let's, let's take a step back at this story here. The disciples are looking at this going, this just gets weirder every day, huh, Peter? I mean, gee, last night we almost died. And he stopped the wind and the waves, and we're all just going, you know, <laughs> Jesus, you're, you're amazing, <laughs> you know. And then he does this, and they're just blown away by that. And they're, and they're thinking to themselves that they're just watching with their, literally their jaws down, going, who is this guy? But for our purposes here tonight, folks, here's the reality. We do fight a spiritual battle. Demons are real. They do torment people. It is the darkness. It is what Paul referred to in Ephesians. That the things that we don't even want to talk about, we shouldn't even talk about. It's real. And it's going on in our world today. And you know what? We ignore it to our own, uh, our own struggle, to our own demise. But what Jesus is showing these men is how they don't, they, they were begging. They were uh, completely shut down. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And they were saying, have you come to torment us before our time? What was that all about? They knew that they were slated to be thrown into the pit of fire when this is all wrapped up. What does that tell you? That they tremble in fear of any Bible-believing, Jesus-talking, exosia-walking-in Christian who can come and do the same. And yet, so many of us, either we're, we, we don't know what it is that, we, that, that is in us by the Holy Spirit, we don't know what authority we have, and that we don't have to be afraid of these spirits who all they need to be... Now, last week we learned all we have to do is resist the devil and he'll do what? He'll run. How much more his imps and underlings. And yet, we let them continue to do their stuff in our communities. And yet, Jesus is showing us and then goes on to help them see and say, now you guys can do this in my name. And they do it frequently. In fact, you find in the book of Acts, it continues that this authority and this ability to be able to discern the spirit and what's going on and be able to function in powerful, powerful ways. It's incredible. And again, it sounds kind of weird. But the reality is this, Christian. If you don't know that you have exosia, then you're not likely going to use your exosia. And that's just the way it is. You got a weapon there in the closet, don't know how to shoot it, don't even know it's there. But when you understand what it is that Jesus has given you, 
when you understand the authority that you have in Jesus' name, then stories like this should not overwhelm us. In fact, it didn't matter how many spirits were there. It didn't matter. Because they all had to respond to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Just as they have to respond to the Jesus in you by the Holy Spirit. Again, strange stuff. But folks, we are in a spiritual battle. We live in a world that is surging. And, it, and we've talked about this already. And I'll just remind you again tonight that much of what we, is in the Spirit is more real than the illusion that we live in here today. That what we see with our natural eyes is only a part of what is actually happening around us. And when we are awakened, when we realize, when we wake up, O oh sleeper, and let Christ shine upon us, and we understand that we are light in the Lord, and that we're no longer being a part of that darkness, but we are the light in Jesus, then it will repel the darkness. In fact, when we walk in what he talked about, in all goodness, in all truth, in all righteousness, folks, you never even have to fire a shot. Never even have to fire a shot. I'm not talking about a literal shot. I'm just talking about just living the truth, living the enemy. He just won't get anywhere near you. So when we talk about the spiritual war, then you need to remember what it is that Jesus did for you. You need to remember what you have been given. And, and it was him who said, look, go use my name. Here's, here's my card. Show it everywhere you go, in Jesus' name. And you can repel those lying spirits. You know, when I, when I first got saved, and I still do this to this day, when I, when I sense that I'm in a dark situation, but I remember as a young believer, as I would you know, uh, work in secular jobs, or I'd, I'd be in situations where I knew I was going to be surrounded by darkness. In fact, in Fayetteville, where I spent 22 years, I ran into a lot of it, believe it or not. And, and I could tell you story after story after story. And Pastor Jamie knows some of, some of those things. And I remember getting prayed up. In other words, I wake up every day knowing that, you know, I'm going to come into some pretty dark situations. I'm going to confront murderers, pagans, rapists, and evil of all kinds in some of the situations that I found myself in. And I just would get prayed up, and I would just say, Lord, help me to be alert. Lord, help me to be discerning. And it was amazing. The people I saw come into the church, and, and, you know, and that's one of the things that when you know revival is really starting to happen is when you start seeing people that have been bound up in that kind of darkness coming to the light. And I see, saw many, many, many of those be set free by those things. And so getting prayed up to just say, Lord, let me be alert. Let me be sensitized to uh, not desensitize, but sensitize to what is happening around me so that I know how to pray, so that I know how to, you know, if, if I got to flee or if I got to resist or if I got to pray, but help me to know. Go before me, go behind me, and let me know. And I'll tell you, there were many times in some of the secular jobs that I've had, man, I would just be under my breath praying because I knew that I was coming into some, a dark situation, a dark individual, or a dark situation. Just under my breath, Lord, in Jesus' name, I just bind those spirits. 
Just bind those, those, that lying spirit that, that, that is controlling that individual right there. I can see the violent behavior. I can see the hate in their eyes. I can see the vengeance and the retaliatory. I can see it there. I just bind that in Jesus' name. Did you know you could do that? I hope you do, because that's exactly why we find it in our scriptures. That's exactly why the story is there. To show us that there is no demonic spirit. There is no spirit. And isn't that right? Nothing above the earth, on the earth, or below the earth. Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. No dark spirit, no lying spirit, nothing. Folks, it is time to be alert. It's time to awaken to the spiritual situation that we find ourselves in. And it's time to armor up. The final thing I want to share with you tonight is learning to embrace forgiveness. Now we go into the next chapter, in chapter, Matthew chapter 9, and I'm going to read this. Jesus got into the boat and crossed over. So he's finished up with the, the Gadarene, and, and of course you, you'll have to read it, but he comes all into his right mind, and the people of the city hear about all the pigs dying, so they all come running out and want to know what's going on. And they see this guy who they chained and broke chains, the biggest chains, chains they could find. He had you know, superhuman strength. They see him in his right mind, and they're going, what just happened here? They are so overwhelmed by this spiritual event, and they look at Jesus and say, we're not comfortable you being around here. Any chance you can just leave? And Jesus did. Hops in the boat. Crossed over, came to his own town. Just then, some men brought to him a paralytic. person can't walk, he's completely paralyzed. He's lying on a mat. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, that's really key right there, by the way. He said to the paralytic, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, when you read that, what's missing? To heal him, right? I mean, you look at it and say, well, why would he say that? that that's kind of odd. Why didn't, why didn't Jesus do all that he's always done? Walk up and say, be healed, be healed. Just touch the hem of his garment, be healed. But he walks past this guy, sees him there, and he says, your sins are forgiven, son. Now, this causes a little bit of stir, as you'll see. On seeing this, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, why do you harbor evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority, right, Authority on earth to forgive sins, which was his first priority. We'll come back to that. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man got up, and he went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. So much was happening in this story. But this is what I want to point out to you, was the priority of Jesus. He didn't just walk up and heal the man of what was going on there. What did he see as the first priority was his sins being forgiven? No, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of preacher's license here just for a second. Why would Jesus do that other than knowing that that was what his problem was? Let's, take, let's just take a, let's just, you know, I've been a counselor for many years, and circumstances or consequences of sin are real. Stuff doesn't just happen to people, right? The license plate? Doesn't just happen. Sometimes things happen because of what people have done. 
And so Jesus, as he walks past a paralytic, to me, it's very evident what he's doing. Son, I know what your real problem is. And, and we could fill in the blank what he did. He was at a party. Maybe he was doing something. Maybe he was speeding. Maybe he was doing something. He was breaking the law. Maybe he was doing something he shouldn't have done. I'm using modern terminology here. But he's a paralytic. And his buddies are bringing him in, saying, man, <laughs> that was a rough night, man. Our poor, our poor buddy is, is paralyzed now. And Jesus walks up to him and says, your sins are forgiven. Interesting, isn't it? This is the deal. This is what we need to realize. This is what we can take away. Now, he gets healed. Amen. But it's almost kind of like a byproduct. It's almost just like, oh, pick up your mat and go home. But what was most important is that his sin was forgiven, that he looked at him. Jesus caught eyes with this man, and he knew exactly what he did to get into that position. And that's why he said what he said. Buddy, you're forgiven. The spiritual plane, the spiritual situation has been invaded. So we can talk about the healing all day long, but let's talk about the forgiveness. That's really the issue here. And when it comes to spiritual warfare, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to fight the good fight, you've got to take a serious look at sin. We've got to look at sin. We can't ignore it. The world would have us redefine it. The world would have us ignore it. The world would have us see and try to com communicate to us that they have no connection when they do. They absolutely do. Sin is death. And sin will affect our mind, our will, and our emotions. Sin will affect our body. As an example, unforgiveness. So Jesus says, look, forgiveness is incredibly important. So let's look at unforgiveness just for a moment, which is why, folks, we need to avoid sin, but we need to also avoid unforgiveness. We, need to, we, 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 we don't want to mess with that. Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew, he's already taught on that, but Matthew chapter 18 coming up, he's going to say, look, if you don't forgive others like you see me forgiving, then don't expect a lot of grace and change in your life. Let me just give something to you. Let me just give something to you that will transform your life if you embrace it. And that is to never let resentment and bitterness enter the door of your heart and mind. Don't let it in. Do not let it in. It will absolutely rob you of peace and joy. It will, I mean, and that's just the emotional side. We know that bitterness has connection to digestive and you know, unhealthy. I mean, it can affect your physical well-being. We know that to be true. But the spiritual situation is, is, is really what's going on. If we're going to fight the good fight, folks, don't mess with unforgiveness. Don't, let it, don't, don't do that. Jesus points out to us and shows us how important forgiveness is in this man's healing, in this man's life transformation. And so much so that they call him a blasphemer for even doing it. But now, the priority is what I want you to see. The priority. So we're living in times where this is all being ginned up, isn't it? Hatred. Accusation. To the point where the spirit is trying to cause civil war. The spirit of darkness, Satan himself, is trying to bring separation and division and getting us to hate and speak. As a matter of fact, read in there, I believe it's uh, Matthew 22. 
was reading that today, and I had to go over it again. And it just says, man, this is what it's going to be like in the last days. That the love of many will grow cold. That, that even the elect, it says, could be deceived and drawn into this thing. Folks, we've got to hold the line. We've got to hold the line when it comes, which is why I started with that first verse. We are the light. And if the church is not the light, what hope is there? If, if, if those who have been blood-bought and filled with the Holy Spirit are not advancing with the light, then only left, all that is left is darkness. And he says that light consists in all goodness and all righteousness and all truth. We've got to hold the line. That, I wish I had a flag right now, and I'd, I'd just plant it right in the middle of this stage. That is where we rally. That is where we rally. On the righteousness of God in Christ. On what is true and not lies. See, some of us, when we get drawn into these things, instinctively know, we know that what, what we are purporting or pushing or keeping moved down the road, let it continue to uh, promote it, is not true or it's not all true. And I'm going to tell you, that's participating in darkness. Don't do it. If someone abuses you, someone speaks evil of you, what does the Bible tell us to do? Forgive. Forgive. Is this hard stuff? It is. Well, that's why it's a war, folks. No one said a war was easy. No one said that, and, and that's why they use the terminology. And so for us to fight the good fight, we have to absolutely understand that it's, this is one of the weapons we have in our arsenal. And that is, you know what? I'm not going to let you turn me bitter. I'm not going to let you draw me into your hate. I'm not going to let you cause me to forfeit the grace that could be mine. Not going to do it. Walking in this forgiveness is amazing stuff. The power of forgiveness, I think we have forgotten. I think we have forgotten the power of forgiveness and what it can do. And again, in our story, they're connected to a man who is completely he has no muscle movement. I mean, he's a paralytic. And it's connected to his healing. That's interesting, isn't it? As a counselor over the years, I have spent much of my time communicating to people to say, look, just, just let it go. Don't hold on to it anymore. Jesus tells us, forgive even those who spitefully abuse us. Forgive. Do we forget? Mm, not so easy. But when that experience, when that memory, when that situation in our life becomes so evident and we wrap it, we coat it, we pour it over, we, we envelop it with the forgiveness and the blood of Christ, it becomes no longer a tragedy, it becomes a testimony. See, a lot of times the things and the people that have abused me and things in my life, the misunderstandings and stuff I've had, even as, as recent as a couple of months ago, That if in my heart, in my prayer time, just say, Lord, I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they said that. I don't know why they continue to say that. They don't know me, they don't, they, and they don't want to. Because they're hurting, because of what's going on inside them, because they feel that they're owed this jab, this, this, this whatever it is that they're trying to do, whatever, whatever brokenness is inside them at the time, or, or resentment is causing them to say, Lord, I just forgive them right now in Jesus' name. Not going to be drawn in 
to, 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 to the bitterness of this situation. I'm not going to do that so that I can walk free and my family can walk free. That's how we fight. That's how we fight. You know, there used to be, and I forgot the name of the book, but he uses the illustration. And you're going to hate this. I know you are. Because I did. And I'm, I still don't like it. But they were called to be worms, not snakes. Because when you step on a snake, what does a snake do? <laughs> worms just wiggle and die. I don't like wiggling and dying. I know you don't either. But that's what Jesus did, didn't he? He says, I am a worm and I am no man. That's how he felt. And yet when that is in our heart, when we embrace what is true brokenness, then we position ourselves for God to come in and bring us joy and to heal us, to restore our minds, to restore our bodies. How much real freedom could we have in our world today if we just would dump the bitterness? Dump it. Move on. Forgive in Jesus' name. So you've got exousia to do wonderful things. We don't always exercise the exousia when it comes to forgiveness, but it's powerful, folks, and it'll help you stay in the fight. Because, see, then the enemy has nothing in you because all we have to do is resist him and, right, and he'll flee. But if we give him that, then he's got a foothold. If we give him that, then it can, he, 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 we, we let him in the door. Matter of fact, the same, very, same book in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about that. He says, do not give the devil a foothold. Neither give him place. Don't do it. Because that is the point whereby the enemy can really begin to come and bring the confusion, bring the anger, bring all the other stuff. It just shuts us down. It takes us out of the fight. It takes us out of the fight. You know, folks, we can fix that tonight. We took communion. And I don't know, sometimes, you know, when communion's rolling, you don't, you know, we don't have enough time to just say, you know, Lord, just show me. And, and we should do that. We should take more time to just say, Lord, search me, try me. Is there any, un, you know, wayward way inside me? Lord, lead me back to the everlasting truths of freedom. But you know, we can finish with that tonight. To ask God to show us, to help us to trust him to not panic, to not lose our cool, to, to remember that we have been given Jesus' name and the exousia, the authority, and the right to... Every one of you have it. If you gave your name to Jesus Christ, you're in. You have the right to speak it, to declare it. And then tonight, folks, we need to commit to not letting bitterness, vengeance, all that's happening in the spirit of the age to draw us in. We can't let them do it. And if we do, here's a great part and what we'll finish with. If we can offload that mess, if we cannot give into that, then folks, I'm telling you, amazing blessing is ready to be poured out into your life. And you walk through the water, not be drowned. Walk through the fire, not get burned. Walk in an age of real darkness and yet experiencing joy and peace and amazing favor. Let's not give into the spirit of the age. Let's not believe the lie. Let's not lose what has been purchased for us by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up tonight. Why don't you join me as we bow our heads and close our eyes. And let's do a little business here. Good business.
the kind of business that is truly spiritual and that has such benefit that it cannot be calculated, can't be measured, because it's so good, so rich, so overwhelming, so impacting. Lord, I pray tonight that every one of us here in this room, Lord, I think of that song, A Warrior is a Child. So true. So true. Lord, we're, Lord we really don't want to fight. We're like you. We, we really don't want to have to go through these, these battles. But yet, Lord, here we are. We're in the race. We're in the war. So I pray God help us. Lord, to sharpen our swords of truth, your word. Lord, to continue to have the helmet of salvation fitly placed on us, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness. Lord, our our loins gird up with truth, shoes of the gospel, ready, ready to move, ready to be deployed. So, Lord, tonight... I pray with this one last thing. God, if there's anyone in this room tonight, God, if we've been struggling with, it may not be full-blown bitterness. Maybe we're just offended. Maybe we're hurt. Lord, that's, that's that little foothold if we, if we don't bring it to you. Lord, I'm praying tonight that those Lord, where we've been hurt or feel like we've been ignored or something said sideways or the cross eye or the cutting off in traffic, whatever, we just release in Jesus' name. Do it, folks. I release. You see that individual? You see that situation? Release them in Jesus' name. And Lord, we go a little deeper. God, there may be people in our life, God, it's just hard for us to get past. Right now, in Jesus' name. If that person's face comes to mind, we forgive them. We release them in Jesus' name. We will not give the enemy a foothold. We will not allow unforgiveness, God, to block the grace that could be ours. And Lord, what's that grace? It's your power to do for us what we can never do for ourselves, and we need it. How do we get it? We humble ourselves under your mighty hand. So Lord, tonight we do humble ourselves. We forgive. We release. And Lord, I want to finish tonight with this prayer over these dear ones. Lord, I ask you to bind every lying spirit every lie that would come against us. We take it and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Every, every argument, every pretense, every little arrogant battle going on within us, we continue, Lord, to bring it to your cross. We will not fight with you, God. We will humble ourselves under your mighty hand that you might lift us up when the time is right. Lord, some of us are paralyzed just like that man on the map paralyzed spiritually and the Lord says your sins are forgiven now get up and walk walk serve fight Lord I thank you for that tonight I thank you doing it here in this room I thank you Lord you hear our prayers Lord I thank you that you are muscling us up that you are arming us and you are preparing us God for this part of the battle our part of the line our community. In Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you folks. You have a great week, okay? Or weekend.
We'll see you again soon.